Hey, this is Laura Whitmore with the She Rocks podcast, and I'm here in New York City today with Anna Eggie. So excited to talk to you. Thanks. Good to be here, Laura. Yeah, great. And I, I was introduced to you through a, song, a video, I guess, that I premiered for you on Parade. Yeah. So let's start that. with that. We Are One, right? We Are One. Was the song. And I think so. I, <laughs> I think we are. I was very moved by it. And <laughs> I you. listen to a lot of music, so... I want, can you share a little bit about the story behind that song and the recording too in the church in Brooklyn? Yeah, um, well, the song came from that momentous um, kind of coming together worldwide with with so many humans looking up at the um, the moon coming in front of the sun of the eclipse and how so many people who might think that they are so different from each other we're all doing the same thing in such a positive forward looking up way and witnessing in awe this you know something that was much bigger than us you know that kind of humbled everyone all at, all at once and brought us all together and it, it, I was so moved by that as so many people were and it felt like I wanted it to last a lot longer much like other experiences um, after trauma, you know, after 9-11, the coming together of so many people and how many people just kind of decided to override their egos and help others. And I mean, it wasn't even, sometimes it's not even like a decision. It's just we find our better, bigger selves, you know. And that was a moment like that. And I thought it was a great um, place to start from in writing for a song I remember that moment so clearly I was in New York City during the eclipse standing on the steps of the library near Penn Station mm -hmm. and like watching the solar eclipse and wishing that I had traveled to somewhere where I, it was like total right? you know and it was super moving like there were so many people out in the street just watching and like I scrambled to find some eclipse glasses so I could see <laughs> so I could see really see it's very very cool so I I get that emotion that's that's very cool I didn't I didn't know that that's yeah sort of the origin of that it was the beginning so. of it and just the I feel like often I'm you know as the world seems to kind of be in more and more crisis um I feel more and more drawn to this deeper sense of my responsibility or duty as a person being here, which is something about doing good and, and you know, I don't know how, but I do know that something has to do with the songwriting and the song, the music coming through me. <laughs> One of my friends just simply said, I know your superpower. It's yeah. it's songwriting. <laughs> I mean, it don't does, get so yeah. confused by it, Anna. He said, "I was like, oh, well, maybe okay." So, but anyway, that song, yeah. And then I took that idea of that first verse um, to my friend Gary Nicholson, and we we wrote the whole song together in Nashville a couple of years ago. And he's a very loving, deep, kind person, and we immediately mind melded over it and wrote it in an afternoon. You know, earlier when I got here to the studio, Dick was telling me how you were in the process of working on an album and that song didn't necessarily fit with what you were doing, but you felt the need to to make that 
come together, I guess. And, yeah. yeah, it was yeah. even more, um, I just felt that the, the need to immediately record it and put it out. I didn't, I felt, I felt like I could not wait yeah. to, for the, for it to be done for the album. And I've also never felt that about a song. This I'm getting emotional. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking about it. I mean, it, it really, maybe it was like something bigger channeling through you. Yeah. 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 It's really very cool. So how did it come together at the church in Brooklyn that you shot the, the video at? Yeah, the um, Brooklyn First Unitarian Universalist. Um, I, when my daughter and my wife and I were on our way to the Women's March, a few years ago, the big, the big, huge one. We were going to the one here in New York City. Um, my wife had to stop over on the way in Brooklyn for, to drop off something for work in Brooklyn Heights, and our daughter was three at the time, and Ro- Roxy's her name. And we went and we were waiting at the subway for for my, my wife to come meet us. And this whole group of people walked past us. And they, I don't know how else to say, but they kind of looked like my people. <laughs> and I was like, oh, and they were kind of waving at us and then said, we're going to the march. Are you going? Come with us. And I said, we're, we'll see you there, but we're waiting for, you know, for one person and then we'll join you. We'll, we'll see you on the subway. And then I said, where are you from? And they said, we're from First Unitarian. And I was like, oh, note to self, you know. And then we went to the march and, you know, it was such an amazing, once again, huge gathering for good massive movement oh so empowering and beautiful and then so that night when we got back home I just I turned to my daughter and I said you know that group of people that we saw on when we were waiting for mommy at the subway do you want to go where they go tomorrow (laughs) which was Sunday and I'd never been there and I've never been to you know, any kind of service here and Mm. was not like a churchgoer or anything, but I've always been very, um, I guess, spiritual and um, a searcher kind of inwardly. I've studied a lot of different religions and spiritual practices, but my daughter said, yeah, and so we did. And then I was really moved by the the minister there, Reverend Anna, Reverend Anna Levy-Lyons, and really actually very moved by her I find her quite brilliant and I just started I kept going and I still go and yeah and so then the band and the music director there was a band there the drummer sometimes had played with me and I saw him there one service I said whoa John you play here he's like whoa Anna you you come here (laughs) and one thing led to another, and he invited the music director, Adam Pod out to one of my shows, and then Adam asked me to sing a song with the choir, one of my songs called Rock Me, and it was such an amazing experience. It felt so incredible. And and then, yeah, then I guess somehow this whole idea to record We Are One live with the choir happened, much in thanks to Dick Kinnett, the um person who owns and runs the label story sound records it is kind of amazing when like all of a sudden you find your people mm-hmm. you know like you, it's like a palpable thing you feel that energy like wait uh, that's happened to me before where i've met somebody and immediately known that yeah they're the right connection for yeah i don't know what to yeah. it's just kind of wild you know and it's not um it's so it's so 
it's such a different thing when people are going somewhere with such good intentions, not because they have to or need to. And when there's no, I don't know, there's, it's like there's a rainbow flag and Black Lives Matter posters. There's no patriarchy. There's no, it's all inclusive. It's not like you can't go if, if you love Jesus, but that's not a prerequisite. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's so, um, th- things are so in- intense because of such, so much wrongdoing and horrible things that are done in the name of religion that I have a hard time even saying the word church <laughs> or no, God. I, I totally understand. Do you know? Yeah. And I, and at the same time, I have this deep knowing of love that is, that, that, you know, that holds all of those, all of those ideas somehow and all of those feelings. How, how, I'm sure that that gets incorporated into your writing and your music and has, has your music evolved because of that relationship that you now have with that group of people or is it just sort of like an inner, constant inner searching that comes out in your music? It's interesting because I think I, um, I've had a big shift in my life which has been much more focused on community and being more engaged and involved with others than I have in the past mm-hmm. because of being a parent I think and and then yeah finding myself in this congregation and wanting to be more and more involved in lots of different um tons of different musical collaborations mm-hmm. it's very it's very fun it's I don't know it's like I got over myself. <laughs> Were you more focused on sort of being a solo artist before that? Yeah, and I... Just working in your own space? I think there's a certain matter of like a bit of kind of preciousness or um, protection that I was brought up with that wasn't serving me anymore because it wasn't serving others. Yeah, interesting. That I mean, that... That sort of opens the door to like so many things that you didn't even realize you didn't have or you didn't see, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It's true. Yeah. It's very, it's very cool. So you had a, an album come out last year. Right? Yes. September. Yeah. Oh, September. So that was pretty recent. Yeah. So can you share a little bit about that? Was that something that you developed, you know, while you're experiencing all this? at the church and the yeah and, I mean yeah. I don't know if it's direct yeah. you know but it certainly was something that really happened um kind of I don't know I've described it kind of like a fever like it really a lot of the songs mm. were just like really just there just immediately um had to write them I mean I had the experience of literally having to relearn them after recording them like what was that chord I was playing I mean r- oh, wow. really because they just blazed <laughs> really <from you. laughs> and, and seriously they were like that yeah. and and all of the kind of things I heard in my mind for you know having brass come in and play and it was um it was a very unique experience recording mm. yeah can you share a little bit about that how was it different from what you've done I think it was like a a lot it was very little removed from when I would when I write the song immediately record it 
immediately have it happen. So you didn't you didn't play them anywhere before you just went into the studio and a couple yeah. of them I did I had around for I mean but months only. Do you know? Yeah. Just really because the record White Tiger that came out before that only came out like a year and a couple months before. Wow. <laughs> so wow. And the name of the the recent album It's called Is It the Kiss. Right. You know, it's funny, I listened to it um recently and there was a song in there you know, I just did this event called the She Rocks Awards, and mm-hmm. one of the artists that we honored was Lizzie Hale. And there's a song on your recent album that I was like, "That this could be like a metal." Oh, which song. one? It was called. That's so cool. Uh, where what did it hurt a little? Hurt a little, oh, yeah. A little. And I was like, I could hear Lizzie Hale doing like a metal <laughs> version of this song. I thought awesome. it was so so interesting. Um, and I did kind of love how. You know, a little bit varied. Mm-hmm. Um, your writing and your style was on the album. Um, so after you recorded it, then you went out and played the music? Yeah. Live? Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. you know, we, we recorded and then mix and master it. And then we really wait a few months for everything to come together for it to actually be released. And in that time... I had to learn the songs again. I was like, wait, how does this, what key, what did, you know, right. what did I how do here? How this live? Yeah. 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 Did you, was it a challenge for you to sort of match the energy on the recording live? or No, it was not... actually literally the chords. I mean, I had to go back listening. and listen to my demos of when I wrote them before I recorded them. You, you didn't know? write that down? <laughs> Usually I, I mean, that's the thing. That's what's different about this, some of the songs on this record. I did not. There was not a lot of woodshedding. It was just mm. like, here's the song, let's do it right now. You know, there was no remove. How how did you feel about that? Was that a good feeling to just like... It felt like I was on a ride, yeah. yeah. It felt like I just was giving myself over to whatever the music, whatever was happening. Yeah. And uh, it felt very exciting yeah i mean maybe it's almost too like i mean you've been doing this for a long time and you trust mm-hmm. like what your instinct is for mm-hmm. what the song needs to be right? yeah and you know when it's right yeah because you know when it's not yeah, right <laughs> i think that's the thing that you know i'm a songwriter too that we all grapple with it's like is that part okay like if you have to ask that question then it's not then okay. it's not exactly <laughs> it's like compared to what compared to yeah. who you know compared to Bob Marl, compared to whoever you really think is the best. Or you know, compared really. to just you. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> like, you know, is it you're good? Capable is of. It, yeah, exactly. Is it what's happening? Yeah. Do you do that? Do you go back and like rewrite stuff a lot when you're working on music or not really? You mean, well, once it's recorded, it's, I mean, right. I, it has to, Yeah. that's what I mean. It has to feel, I have to know that it's ready to record it. But then when you're recording it, it also like, you know, the parts, they have to be right. They have to fit the track yeah and sometimes somebody else will come in or you'll hear something else sure like, wait yeah absolutely this needed to go here yeah let's change it oh yeah and then sometimes you have a whole string part put on and then you're like never mind yeah. take it back off <laughs> sorry for your three hours of work people yeah. i not... mean that happens but like, like yeah. you said you just you know you, you know. just know i mean i think that the development of that like sort of gut feeling is super important for an artist and a lot of times especially early on like we don't trust it or we don't necessarily know 
enough. Yeah, you know? and you have everyone telling you what, what yeah. they think. Yeah. And it's hard to, you know, it's just in the weeds a lot in the beginning. Yeah. But it is nice to get to a place where you trust that instinct and you feel empowered enough to say, oh, yeah, I spent three hours recording this string section, but it's not the right thing. I'm not going to yeah. do it. Yeah, and I honestly think that has so much to do with, you know, having being a music fan and knowing what I love and why and holding myself to the same standard, knowing, yeah. you know, yeah. do I want to listen to this song? <laughs> what is happening with this track, you know? And you don't necessarily ever want to go back and say, what was I thinking no, when you I don't. wrote or recorded no. that song? <laughs> I'm, I'm that, not saying I don't have a couple of those tracks where I hear them now and I'm like, ah, the drums sound like they're just trying to catch up with yeah. me or whatever. Like sometimes that happens, but I, I think that happens to everybody. But if you have the majority of your stuff that you are, you don't have that uneasy feeling about, yeah, then you're in a good place. <laughs> yeah, it's a good day to die. Yeah, no yeah, regrets. that's cool. So you, you're from the Midwest, right? Yeah, I was born in Saskatchewan and grew up in North Dakota. Oh wow. So did you did you get into music early on in your childhood? Well, I grew up in North Dakota, like I said, but then we moved to New Mexico um, when I was 10. So my folks both played music a little bit. They listened to a ton of music. They really, they love music. Um, and so I listened to a ton of, I guess you'd call it, I mean, vocal kind of, singer-songwriter that term now is almost antiquated already but and whatever that means and yeah. didn't exist then <laughs> you know um but you know uh merle haggard grateful dead bob marley um george harrison the beatles i mean that's really me like they're singer-songwriters but their energy is different than like a folk Singer, yeah, yeah, Paul Simon. You know, there's a uh, yeah, a lot of that music. Um, very m melodic, you know. Lots of very unique voices. Um, yeah, and then we moved to New Mexico, and that's when I really started playing. When I was 13, I just visited New Mexico for the first time last year. I went to the to the balloon festival oh nice and then over to santa fe and i thought it was really beautiful and cool and had a good vibe yeah did you like living in new mexico i loved it yeah, yeah. i still love going back yeah it is a very special place it's so different than the northeast you know yeah the air quality everything about it <laughs> everything about it very good yeah. and bad but yeah um, yeah yeah and then and then where did you go from there like once you really started getting into music did you say, hey, I need to go somewhere else to pursue this? Yeah, there, well, there was, I lived on an intentional community or, you know, commune for a while as a kid and stayed close with all those folks. And I'm still close with a lot of the folks there. And one of the women, um, Kate Brown, a potter, I was friends with her daughters. Um, Kate's sister is Sarah Brown, and she's a bass player who was in the Antones Blues Band in Austin for many years and played with lots of amazing musicians, including Bonnie Raitt for a while. And she would come visit, and I would regale her with the songs I was writing and learn songs from her boyfriend at the time, Steve James, who became my first, you know, guitar god who showed me how to play finger-picking 
and bottleneck slide and changed my life. Mm. And I went to Austin, where they both were living, to record my first demo that came out in 94, my first cassette. Yeah, cassettes. Yeah, with um, Back in the day. Sarah Brown and Dave Sanger at his studio. He was the drummer for Asleep at the Wheel. And through that, Dave um, signed me to his small indie label that he was starting called Lazy SOB Recordings. <laughs> <laughs> and nice. I made my first record, River Under the Road, which featured most the whole band of Asleep at the Wheel. And um, and that was off and running, and that was kind of the beginning yeah. for me. You know, I read that you built your own guitar. Mm-hmm. What possessed you to do that, and how did you know how to do that? Well, that was, my parents had a school called the Down to Earth School, an alternative school, um, and they had alternative classes, basically whoever wanted to teach a class in the community would come and pitch it to my parents and then if there were enough kids that wanted to take the class they would get to teach it and um, a a gentle man named Don Musser came to pitch to teach astrology class (laughs) and he also was a his main job was as a luthier making guitars that he sold oh wow um, abroad and in California, <clears throat> fine handmade guitars. And so I would ask him a million questions after class each week about guitars and not about astrology, even though I also was <laughs> curious about that and interested in that. And then that summer, he called me up and asked me if I wanted to apprentice with him and, and try to build my own guitar. And I was so overjoyed, I couldn't believe that. Really did not see that coming. Because one of my friends who went to the school there, who had, his stepdad was a doctor, and they had money, and and we did not. And I knew that, I mean, the idea of getting one of Don's guitars was way out of my um, price range. (laughs) And I was so happy for my friend that he was getting a guitar, and at the same time I knew I'd never get one, you know? But I was so happy for him, and it was just like such a thing of beauty, you know? And then to have Don call me and ask, I just couldn't believe it. I was just so full of joy. So, yeah, so I started driving out to his homemade house in the desert (laughs) every week to work on my guitar and learn about astrology because he was not going to not teach me about that either. Yeah. Both so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I've had a very lucky life. That's that's very, very cool. So... You made that guitar. Did you ever make another one, or that that was it? No, that was it. <laughs> yeah, I worked. I went. Well, I when I when I moved to Austin, I met Tom Ellis, another really um, gifted craftsman and also a very gentle man, very wise person who had a. He makes Ellis mandolins, mm. but he was not making them. He had a long break of not making mandolins, where he was primarily running an inlay company called Precision Pearl Inlay, mm-hmm. which I do believe he still does now at the same time as doing the mandolins again. But I worked for him for a few years doing inlay on lots of instruments. Oh, wow. And that was a really great job. I love him. And then when I moved here to Brooklyn for a few years, I apprenticed with another great 
magician who <laughs> does, or I think he's retired now, repairs named Bob Jones, hmm. also a master. Was that at, was that in Brooklyn? Yeah, it was like in, what's that? What's the name of the shop? He was working out of his own. Oh, he was. Yeah, yeah. I've been to a couple of really cool guitar like vintage instrument and mm-hmm. repair shops in Brooklyn. Yeah. <laughs> <That's my dream. laughs> I'm like, oh, it's a really small world if it was one of those places. Um, that's really, really cool. So how did that inform, like what instrument are you, is your main instrument now and how did that sort of inform your choice of that? It's still and, the guitar I oh, made. It is. Yeah. Wow. Yep. Junior is you made it very to last. Strong. Yep. <laughs> yep. She's really, really a thing of beauty. That's awesome. You have a unique instrument. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love it. So I'm going to switch gears a little bit. And like you mentioned that you have a daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had a lot of conversations with women about kind of like the challenges of being a mom and being, I guess, any kind of artist, a musician in particular, where you have to travel to share your art. I mean, what has been your experience being a mom in that situation? Yeah, where to start, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I It changed everything, you know? Um, but sort of, it brought, yeah, again, it kind of challenged me in so, in so many ways. And also limits turn out to be really positive and good mm. in, in a lot of ways. Um, I guess sort of like that busy people get more done, more things done sort of thing. I would find myself <clears throat> fitting amazing amounts of things into an hour <laughs> or two when she was napping, you know? Yes, master multitasker. <laughs> yeah. And then efficient time user. <laughs> well, and I mean, I've just, I guess I've been more prolific since she's born that I, I mean, I've made these last two records all during the day and you know, when she's at school. That's so amazing because I think a lot of women feel like, you know, having kids will, like, limit their career, limit their choices, um, create another challenge. And the fact that you have found a way to create something positive, plus you get to enjoy being with your daughter, I yeah. mean, that's really impressive. Yeah. Well, I feel lots of things. I mean, I have this amazingly supportive label story sound and my wife is also equally amazing and works full-time as a film editor mm. and so I'm <clears throat> mostly the stay-at-home parent and I also feel that deep you know kind of resonating force with them in me even more so having a child where it's like okay I am here what am I here for mm. you know what am I doing right now <laughs> And I want to use, I want to do my most with my time, you know. And so, yeah, it, in, like what I was saying about this last record and the songs just being like, here they are, let's do this right now. Because she gets that, I have to pick her up from the bus yeah. at 2.30 and I know it's here, let's do it, you know. It is amazing too, like, you know, sometimes people think like, oh, I have to go with the flow. Like if I'm not feeling my art, then it's not going to happen today. But I do feel like sometimes... If you know, like you have those two hours to record or write Mm -hmm. or what have you, you find a way to kind of kick that energy in like more efficiently. Yeah. Well, and just with all these, all this buck stops here stuff with, 
you know, with Trump and with mm. so many paradigm shifts with, you know, sexism and racism and so many people being like, no, just stop, no, you know? Yeah. And it, that is, that's it. I mean, there's no more time for waffling. I mean, I feel it so deeply as so many people do. And that's, if, if something needs to be said, we need to say it. And we need to, I mean, if you feel that urge, make it happen, you know? And that's, yeah, that's, I feel that energy force in me. And so there is no waiting. Yeah. And I also feel like, I mean, I have two kids myself. They're mm-hmm. adults now, but, you know, I do feel like, you know, that I want to be an example for them if I see something wrong or mm-hmm. something that I can do mm-hmm. to help other people or make things better or expose something crazy that's going on in the world. Yeah. They, I know they see me doing that and it, that means something to them. Yeah. Know? And it's so hard sometimes to know if you're doing the right thing or enough or, and, and I always wonder that and to wonder that maybe is fine, but don't stop doing the things that you're compelled to do if they feel true and right you know i think like anything is better than nothing yeah i know i mean sometimes i feel like as women we're really hard on ourselves for what we don't do or what we can't do yeah we don't give ourselves enough credit for even anything yeah that we do do (laughs) i mean you know like right after trump was elected there was a a swastika appeared a block away in the sidewalk from where i live and i had to walk by it a few times to where i was like no and I got my friend, you know, who had some cement to mix it and cover that up. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's yeah. like do what you feel. You just it might be small, but it might not be small. Right. And right. You don't know what that that might mean to somebody else walking over that. Yeah. And what whatever. is it? And then and that's the scary stuff is that we just then start not noticing it anymore i mean all these things in our in our culture and our society that we don't know what to do about and so we just get apathetic you know it is overwhelming it is overwhelming but there are little things who knows like you look at we look at all these big horrifying things and you know you're right like even if there's something small that we can do it's something something we can do yeah yeah. And it might just be like, well, here's a little wet cement. Shoop, shoop, shoop. Yeah. <laughs> you know? You're right, though. I mean, it's, I feel like especially, you know, we live in a city where you're sort of taught to put up a wall when you walk down the street mm-hmm. for various reasons. Mm-hmm. But, you know, even like it registering in your brain, like, hey, that's wrong. I need to do something about it. Like, that takes a little practice. Yeah. You know? <laughs> because you might not think you can or whatever you know yeah or, or someone else will take care of it honestly that's what i kept thinking walking by it and then at one point i was like i can't believe someone hasn't covered that oh who's someone <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah well, i caught sure. myself in that you know yeah. what i mean some other person like, should be someone. doing this Yo. well let's say, wait a second i'm the one having this thought you yeah. know yeah, yeah I, well Good. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> anyway, but that's not what I was looking for. But you do know what I mean. It's I like, oh, mean. I'm always wondering what is what's the what should I be doing? You know, what what can I do more? But I think, you know, like you said, the more you do, the more it creates awareness in yourself. Like there are things I can do and that you also recognize things more in a conscious level. Mm-hmm. You know, like so many things pass by your subconscious that mm-hmm. you that we just sort of 
that don't register, I guess. And now it's, I find it's like that with songwriting too. Like when you're looking, when you start listening to hear song lyrics or song titles and the things people say, becoming aware of that makes you hear them everywhere. Mm -hmm. But if you don't practice that, things just whiz by you and you never even think about it. It's true. You know, it's, it's like that in many things in life, I guess. (laughs) Yeah. Being present, you know, yeah. The opportunity for really connecting with strangers every day is huge. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. You know, it's funny. I read this, um, this is years ago. I read this book called the power of nice Mm. and it's like a business book about, using kindness in business and how you can benefit from being kind Mm -hmm. and part of it part of the suggestions at the end there was like you know actual like things you can try and one of them was just like literally going out into the world and complimenting someone every day Mm -hmm. randomly about something and it was so powerful to just like you know be at the you know the 7-Eleven and telling the cashier, oh, wow, her nails look beautiful or uh-huh. whatever. Like, how many of us get that every day? Almost nobody. And to be able to just spread that positivity and awareness, I think that's like a tiny thing that adds up yeah. in the world, you know? So, um, so I'm like, I mean, ever since then, I like, I talk to everybody and... Yeah. You know, like like I said, in a city, you have to be a little bit aware, but um, I, I feel like it's more important than ever. You it know, is. To just, like, connect in some way. Yeah, well, and it's yeah. also, I feel like it's one of those things that we don't think about in a full circle way, where, like, love or kindness, like, it's not just about the recipient of those things. Like, when you feel, give kindness or allow that to come through you to someone, it's coming through you. Yeah. You know what I mean? And love too. Like when you love, when I feel love for my daughter, I'm feeling that love. Make sure she also hopefully receives that love that I'm mm-hmm. feeling for her, but how lucky for me. Yeah, it's all, it's all good. It's all good, it's all right? Good. And then maybe yeah. also we also have that resonance together yeah. if she's feeling loved and I'm like, oh, yeah, you get that I'm, you know. Yeah. But it's all all feelings are like that. I mean, same with <clears throat> with hate. If you're hating on someone, you're the one feeling that horrible. Mm. Who needs that? Yeah. I mean, really, it's like mm. there's another <laughs> way to probably get our way. I mean, not that it's always possible to avoid yeah. feeling that that feeling and that hate, that anger. But at the same time, it's like, wait a second. How else can I also get my point across and make change happen without making myself feel like crap? Right. <laughs> Even though if that person, quote unquote, deserves it. Do you know? Yeah, I mean, it's it's one of those things, especially, I guess, in our society that I think we're not really taught about that, especially as kids. Like, it's not necessarily valued mm-hmm. to learn how to focus on sharing your feelings in a way that's constructive mm-hmm. um i agree you know i think i think in some places it is um and it has a lot to do with parents mm-hmm. and their experience and what they share with their kids but it's it's a little bit tough but when you see examples of that you're like yeah that's the right <laughs> thing we should all be doing that 
<laughs> so, um, so Anna, what, um, what are you working on now? Like, what's your, are, are you creating new music? Are you touring in support of your recent release? What's, what's happening with you? I've been working on a lot of different things. I'm writing a lot. I'm touring a lot. I'm doing a lot of shows with Iris Dement, who mm. is one of my heroes, heroines. She's a wise one and a total badass. Can I say that? <laughs> I don't know what I can, sw- you can say swears anything. I can say. <laughs> She's Please do. She's <laughs> just a real stand-up person in every way and so fun. Um, so we've been doing a lot of work together and a lot of shows and traveling. And, and um, yeah, I'm working on a couple of different things. I can't really talk about them yet, but very Ooh, different projects. Surprising. Yeah. Yeah. Very, very different exciting, but musical fun, projects. But musical. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And lots of writing that might or might not turn into lyrics. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, yeah, I don't know. And how do that- you feel about 2020? Is it going to be a good year? <laughs> <laughs> it's a new decade. <laughs> I feel like huge changes are happening. I mean, you know, astrologically, it's very different. I suppose. Actually, I don't even really know. But I, <laughs> I thought you, you know, I thought maybe I, you remembered some of your teachings. You know, I, <laughs> I do engage in that world. I, I think I see it and feel it as a very poetic language, mm-hmm. and it's very um, inspiring to me. But I don't really. I'm not scientific about it per se. Yeah, I do find inspiration in it. Um, but no, I think more like you know crisis point things are 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 pretty heavy and intense and and transformation happens at in times like that and and the, the fact that it's in on such huge levels i think also yeah. it's like global it's yeah. global yeah. and i feel like transformation is also happening and potentially could in a huge global way and maybe is manifesting in that way I yeah, mean, for better or for, for worse. I mean, hopefully, I mean for better because the crisis is happening for worse. So I feel like, yeah. you know, energetically, spiritually, whatever you want to say, emotionally, I feel like that's available for a lot of people, and there a lot of people are being moved to open up and with this desire to help others. Um, and I really, I want to believe that that's a potential. Yeah all good people do yeah and I think all people are good and I think all people are struggling and some people are further lost in their struggle than others yeah yeah well um I'm excited to hear your new secret projects and (laughs) your unsecret projects and so how can people find out where to see you what's coming up listen to what's what you have out there now yeah I have I have a bunch of uh, tour dates, lots of festivals and stuff coming through. I'm really honored to be playing John Prine's Ooh. All the Best Fest in nice. the Dominican Republic in November, which with oh, Bonnie Raitt and John Prine, well, Steve Earle, and oh, it's going to be so fun. <laughs> Iris Dement, it's going to be so so fun, and lots of other really great festivals are coming through. And yeah, my website's just my name, AnnaEggy dot com. Okay, A- we'll share A- that link. Yeah. Awesome. And Story Sound Records site. Yeah, all the stuff with the recordings will be coming out. Okay. News. News. Updates. Updates. Follow you, <laughs> etc. Well, it's been such a pleasure to speak to you. Yeah. And, thank uh, you so much, Laura. I'm 
I'm, re- I'm really happy to meet you. You too. Yeah. Thank you so much. Yeah, thanks a lot. Best with everything. Thank you.